welcome back to another episode of Janine Between the Lines, Literature and Lifestyle for Leisure. Have you ever recorded an intro four times and just hated the way you sounded? Yes, me. Also, I'm recording from my new, not half recording studio, half professional office area in my upstairs that has just had the floors done. Apologies in advance. We're still workshopping, still. This office is a work in progress, so let me know how you guys hear the audio. Also, if you hear a weird metal grinding noise, this house was built in the 1800s, so still a lot of logistic workshopping stuff to do. Um, but we will get there. We will get there. Today's episode is maybe it's a new series I'm going to try. I want to call them rapid reviews because. I know that majority of my listeners, unless I, you know, hype it up enough or if I let you guys know far enough in advance, and if you guys have the time, those episodes that I do on the books, while it would be extensively rad if someone read along with me, I don't expect anyone to read along with me. I just expect to talk about what I liked about the book and how it related to my life and see if you guys like it. But with the new series, I think I'm going to call them rapid reviews. I will have more. I can talk about more books at one time and keep it short and sweet. You know what I mean? I'll dedicate whole episode books to whole episodes, but in cases like today where I've read and want to review more than one, I can do these little nuggets. So, the books that I'll be talking about is well, the first is a long awaited uh, recommendation from my brother. It's called Lone Wolf and Cub by Kazuo Koike. Koike? And I read the whole volume one. It's a graphic novel. Super cool. And the second book that I will be talking about today is called Kick It Under the Fridge by Ken Sicoli, which this was also a friend recommendation. Uh, friend is friends of the author. So... I kind of am using that as my structure for my reading these days. While I am more busy than I have ever been in my life, I also am more uh, motivated to my time allotment and making sure I have time for leisurely things. Hence, lifestyle and leisure. So, if you guys are excited about today's kind of new version of an episode, rapid review episode... Uh, just keep on listening. Thank you guys for tuning in. Don't forget to favorite, share, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. And that would kind of make my life. So, again, thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy. Lone Wolf and Cub, like I said, it is a book that I have no idea why I've been putting it off. It's been recommended to me probably at least three or four times in the past two years. A majority of that being my brother and another as I used to look at forums when I was super, super into the saga series, which I never finished that either. What's wrong with me? school that that's what's wrong work that's what's wrong with me but i figured you know if i'm gonna do quick reviews i will just 
read you the synopsis. Um, this one is coming from Criterion, and it says, based on the best-selling manga series, uh, this the six intensely kinetic lone wolf and cub elevates to bloody new heights. The shogun's executioner, Ito Ogami, takes to wandering the countryside as an assassin, along with his infant son, Daigoro, and a seemingly infinitely weaponized perambulator, helping those he encounters while seeking vengeance for his murdered wife, delivering stylish thrills and a body count that defies belief. Lone Wolf and Cub is beloved for its brilliant, brilliantly choreographed action sequences, as well as its tender depiction of the bonds between a parent and child. So, I don't know how else to put it. It was amazing. The illustrations are amazing. It's It kind of gives me Samurai Jack slash old school just sketches. Um, I You go in. I don't remember if they say it in the beginning of the book, but when I was doing research on it, I remember reading somewhere that the author's are historians pretty much who studied the shogunate kind of um not what am i trying to think of the the era of japan with the shogunates and i think it was the 1800s when that society was prevalent they studied the crap out of the language that they used the dialects and the colloquialisms of that time period. So they give a preface that, you know, some of the words and the expressions that they're using, they're not able to be translated into the English language, which I think is really cool. And it kind of reminds me of how my mom and my dad are from different provinces in the Philippines. And <laughs> There are some times when they'll be talking to me, they're like, like, ah, what's the word for this? I don't know this in Tagalog. Or I don't know this in English. And it's kind of a word that's simply native to their language and they don't have an English word. So it feels very authentic in that sense. A little bit of it kind of made me, um, so they gave that preface and then you kind of go into the book with, it starts out kind of you need a little navigating it reminds me of a game of thrones kind of how do you know when you go into game of thrones and they're talking kind of quietly but this time it's reading Ta reading or you know they're talking about things that you're not caught up on yet and it's kind of leading you into a story and they tell you the backstory about it later like you're a little bit confused but you have to come to terms with being confused and then they catch you up later on. Does that make sense? I think so. Maybe there's a word for that. I'm not really brushed up on my literary, you know, terms these days. But that kind of was the only hurdle. Um, it's very heroic. All of the... What I love about graphic novels... Who was I talking about this with? The thing that I love about graphic novels is I, <laughs> and this is the, the plight of a lazy reader, because sometimes 
I like how graphic novels take the effort of imagination out of my brain. Am I the only one that feels that way? Granted, the imaginative part, imaginative part is probably the best part. And when I say that, I think of when I first read the Twilight novels and I had this picture in my head of what Bella looked like or what Edward looked like. And I was really disappointed when I um when I saw the movie's depiction of it. My mic just fell. So typical me, you know, I dropped that mic and then I recorded a whole segment on <laughs> my next book and finishing out my thoughts of Lone Wolf and Cub, and I clicked the wrong button, recording on the laptop instead of my nice mic. So why am I not surprised? That's such a Janine thing to do. But basically, just to kind of conclude about my thoughts on Lone Wolf and Cub, A1, 10 out of 10, would recommend. It's really a masterpiece. I'm really excited to read the rest of the 53 novels, I think. Um. It's just, I, I I really love the characters. It's very easy to follow. It's such an accurate depiction of, I feel like what I would have thought was going in my head reading that as a standard, you know, book rather than a graphic novel. That's what I would have wanted my imagination to look like. So everything matches up. It's so heroic and I'm disappointed in myself for putting off reading that for so long. So the second book that I read, um, LOL at me trying to remember everything that I said in that last 16 minute segment. But the next book was a recommendation from my guest, Cassandra. She was in the last podcast. If you listened to that, yay. If you didn't, you should go because we had an amazing conversation. Um, but this is actually a, a friend of hers who is an author. His name is Ken Sicoli. I hope I'm saying that right. And he wrote a book called Kick It Under the Fridge. Um, let me read the, the back cover to you so you guys can have a gauge on what it's about. But it says, for you alone, reader, this book holds out a loving hand and asks to dance underneath moon lit skies. For you, reader, this book grabs you by the waist and stares deep into your eyes. You stare back into the eyes of this book. This book bites its bottom lip, a smirk curls in the corner of its mouth. You smile back and place a soft hand around this book's spine. This book's eyes sparkle under the moonlight, and so do yours. You move in for a kiss. This book slams shut over your nose. You wonder what the just happened. Kind of like erotic, right? Like <laughs> when I read that, I was like, whoa, what's this about? So basically, I'll try to remember all the freaking good parts I hit. But what I gathered, and I will be honest with you, I did not finish this book, which I'll get into about later. But what I got from it is this book is kind of a literary ode to what I would imagine was Ken's college experience. And let me tell you, reading this book 
elicited so much like happy reflection, a lot of nostalgia. And I'm, oh my God, I forgot how old I was. I'm 25 now. I haven't been, when did I start college? 2014, 2013, 2014. So it's been some years since I was a freshman in college. And I, my main which I want to hear from you guys. I want you to tell me on Twitter or comment on my post on Instagram. And I want to know about your college experience. So what made me think about that is there's actually a section in the book here. Let me turn to it. It was a, the chapter, it says September freshman year, CLAM dormitory. That's an acronym. But let me read the the sentence where I took note. It said, it's part of freshman dormitory culture at CLAM to leave doors unlocked when in the room, a social maneuver intended to promote friendship in a setting where just about everyone is away from home for the first time and overwhelmed by feelings of loneliness. It's an honor for freshmen, having people willingly congregate in your room and it's generally the first chance these kids have at hosting an occasion. And while the occasion is usually only a movie night or secret drinking session, often the way you know someone's drinking is when their door is actually locked for fear of unexpected RA intrusion, intrusiveness is welcome. So when I read that, I was immediately taken back to um, what I... Like I was talking to my friends. I was like, what was your college freshman year known for? Or what was your college dorm known for? So I attended college for the first time at the University of North Florida. And I lived about eight, 10 minutes away from campus. Like technically I did not have to dorm because I lived so close. But I wanted to, I think most of you know, I grew up with very traditional, um, strict Filipino parents. So freedom wasn't my thing. I was stoked at the idea of being away from my parents, this new liberation. I was not allowed to party in high school. And I partied some in college, but not like super hardcore. But just the thought of living away, not having, you know, to answer to anyone in college, like that was my ish. That was my ish. I was so excited for that. And then I think about like what my college dorm experience was known for. I had the room. And keep in mind, I am a guy's girl. I mean, I have two older brothers and I've always, a lot of my best friends are their best friends, which are mostly guys. So in college, I also had mostly guy friends. And if you were to put a label on my door, it would have said something like the in-between room. So my friends would come to my college dorm either just to like chill. We wouldn't drink, but it was the dorm you would go to if you wanted to take a nap before you went to the gym or if you wanted to come bring your laptop or like our tiny TV and we would watch The Office for straight hours when we were supposed to be studying. And... Am I the only one? Is this like a nerd thing? But my college experience is also defined by the fact that we would stay in the library 
this must be why libraries are my favorite place. We would stay in the library up until literally like three, four in the morning, right? There was a Starbucks attached to it. We would get iced coffees at 12, 1 a.m. and be, quote, air quotes, studying. Not all, we didn't, sometimes we didn't even have homework, dude. We would stay there, just mess around, watch stupid YouTube videos. And that was kind of just like our way to spend time with each other. That's what this book made me think of. And I I welcome the nostalgia that it brought. It makes me feel so old. Yes, I know. I am 25. Everyone older is like, you're such, you're such a baby. I know. I know. I know. It hasn't been that long. I'm still in college now, so a lot more tame with everything online, but I enjoyed kind of reflecting on that with alongside Ken while reading. Um, so like I said before, I wasn't able to finish the book in time. It wasn't a book for me that, you know, I am a busy person and I had school and work and everything, but I didn't feel the connection I felt with this book the way I did with Lone Wolf and Cub. Um, the characters, I though I could reflect alongside, I didn't really connect with them. And I will tell you what made me stop. It was a, it seemed like an anecdote that um, Ken was telling a story, well, in Michael's perspective of a man who said, who claimed that he met God and the devil in one at one time. I think where I stopped was in the 60s, page 60 or so, and there's about 280 or something pages. And it probably took me about like two or three days to get through this one scene. And, you know... The way that I can describe it best is, you know, when you read a run-on sentence and you're like, what? What just happened? Or what was the purpose of that? That story kind of felt like a run-on story. And for some reason, I... I couldn't, I couldn't get through it. And by the end of it, I couldn't really recall like the significance of it. And I kind of was just left feeling confused. And eventually, as I kept reading, there were just a lot of confused thoughts like, oh, how is that relevant in this story? And a lot of it um, kind of in the same sense that I feel like this book will take a lot of, you know, kind of waiting for things to pull together the way that Lone Wolf and Cub did. Um, but it, it just didn't, it didn't reel me in enough. Um, but I, you know, the appreciation that I felt, I feel like we could have the way that this is written. I feel like Ken has a lot of stories that I would love to talk about. And he probably has the mo has had the most interesting things happen to him in college. Like, that's what I get out of this. Um, but for me, and for me having, you know, a book in front of me, it, it didn't pique my interest enough to, like, keep me turning every page. And just with 
the daily tasks and work and school and everything. I was not able to finish it in time, unfortunately. I'm still thinking about maybe I'll pick it back up and try to finish. Um, but like I did with the last one, if I were to rate it, I'd give it probably hmm, maybe a six. A six. Seven or so, I, you know, I will probably pick this back up, attempt to read it again, and I'll give you guys my thoughts by the end of it. If I was able to finish it or if I choose to finish it, I'll give you my full thoughts on it on Instagram where I can make longer captions than Twitter. Um, but yeah, I'd say the five, six, seven range is kind of where I'm sitting on for this book, um, Kick It Under the Fridge. So thank you, Cass, for recommending it to me. And I'm really, really excited. If you're listening to this and you have a book, it doesn't, obviously, it doesn't have to be your friend's book. But did I say this already? The way I want to choose my books. So prior to this, if you've been a listener for a while, I, I kind of used to pick a classic, like something like that was written in the 17-1800s. Like I did a picture of Dorian Gray. Wuthering Heights, Little Women, and then I rotated that with a newer age book or something that was kind of trending. But the structure, how do I see the structure? This why can't I say that the structure that I want to follow now is kind of I want to take one book that's a recommendation from a friend, one book that I choose of my own desires, and another book that is recommended through social media. And I don't know if you guys follow me on Twitter, but. The reason why I want to do that is because uh, the book community on Twitter is kind of amazing. I tweeted out maybe less than a month ago, like, hey, book community, reader community, I'm looking for a new book to, um, to read and review on my podcast. Do you guys have any recommendations? And that is the most interaction I've ever had on a tweet. And now I have so many books from smaller scale authors and up and coming authors that have been recommended to me. And I just love the idea of reading and promoting someone, you know, who's just released a book to Amazon or is kind of trying to get their name out there. So that's, that's kind of my shtick. I'm going to try to go kind of in that order. So like I said, if you guys have anything to recommend me, send it my way. DM me on Instagram, DM me on Twitter, and uh, yeah, we'll get to reading together. Obviously, I'm going to let you guys know what I'm reading at that time, but yeah, those are my two, uh, those are my two rapid reviews. Leave me a comment. Let me know what you think, and we'll, uh, we'll get there. All right, everyone, that is the end of this week's episode. You know, I kind of wanted to take it back to my roots. Didn't do it last time, but now that I've got it set up, maybe I can start plugging my music favorites again. So because I had that initial goal of kind of keeping this under a 30-minute episode, I'm just going to play one of my favorites from Spotify. I've double screened it up and again, as usual, Spotify, I don't know the rights. Also, I know Anchor has an app now where you can upload songs to your podcast episodes, but I'm not savvy enough for that yet. So this artist's name is Lizzie McAlpine. I discovered her on my Discover Weekly, and 
This song is called Apple Pie. We'll give it a quick listen. It kind of reminds me of like, this is, you know, the Sarah Bareilles era, like between the lines kind of Sarah. That with like a little bit more of a folky flavor. It's just so soothing and it just happened that my best friend sent me a music recommendation and it was her and it was a song called Pancakes for Dinner and it was, it's just so beautiful. She has such a beautiful voice. So she's one of my current favorites right now. I've been listening to Lizzie McAlpine Radio and I've been able to calmly meditate and get things done. You know how sometimes though, I have two modes. I either need like music to be relaxing in order for me to focus my brain on things that I need to get done. Or I need it to be like super upbeat and I can like move to the rhythm of the music like to fuel the things that I need to get done. But lately I've been in a this this kind of speed. Lizzie McAlpine. But yeah, I have missed you guys. Maybe my next OTT will be kind of an official catch-up, but here's to 2021 already starting off a better year than last and to being our most productive selves this year and every day going forward. I'm a slave to my work, and this is my escape. And you guys are the best. I'm so blessed, so happy that I get to talk to you guys through this medium. So please stay tuned for the next one. Might be an OTT, might be more book stuff, um, but stay tuned, stay updated on Instagram and Twitter. I'll let you guys know which um, book I'm thinking of reading next. And if you guys want to send me your thoughts. Oh, make sure you send me a message either here through email, through Twitter or Instagram. I'll have everything linked below and let me know what your like iconic college experience was or like what, what was your signature like thing in college? Not just your dorm room, but your signature kind of what defined your college experience. I think that would be fun to fun to talk about. So thank you guys. I will catch you in the next episode. I love you. Stay safe. And yeah, talk to you soon. Bye.